All right, good morning. Hey, um, I, I'm glad you're all in house. I hope everybody got one of these in here. And so we're going to sing a song. So if you're at home, I hope that you're already ready. But in case you forgot, we're going to do the Lord's Supper. We're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And so all you need is some kind of bread and some kind of juice. Okay, we won't. We want to celebrate what Jesus did for us. And so use what you had. Use what you have. And we're going to do that after this first song. So it is a special week for us. It is Today is what we call Palm Sunday. And it is, it is a day that, that we commemorate that Jesus walked into Jerusalem. And we know the events that unfold. And this that we do today speaks in and of itself on what Jesus did for us. Remember that, that John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son? Do you know what gave means? It means He shed His blood and gave His body. That's what gave means. So this is a special day as we observe it. So if you would, let's join together in prayer. We're going to pray a couple times today, but let's pray to start this out. Father, we, we thank You, Lord, for uh, this time that we can come into Your house that we can come on join online as a, as a body. And Father, we can commemorate the, the Lord's Supper. And Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to worship together and the reason why we celebrate, that you gave your Son. Father, you loved us enough that you gave your Son that we might have eternal life. And Father, just pray that this day, there's somebody else out there that doesn't fully comprehend that, doesn't understand it, hasn't believed, Father, today might be the day that they believe. In Jesus' name, amen. One final thing before I walk out of here. Next Sunday is what the calendar calls Easter. It's what I like to call Resurrection Sunday because that's what it's about, is celebrating the resurrection. And for your information, we have two services next Sunday morning. So we'll have an 8 o'clock service for those of you that want to get up early and show up here. And, and Adam and I will try to be awake. And so... so uh, uh, and, and you're the test audience, okay, the first group. And then we'll come back at 10.15 and we'll have another service. That will give us time to spray down the auditorium, try to keep it safe and all that stuff. But anyway, we'll do that and we'll have Sunday school like we did today at 9 o'clock if you want to be part of that. And then at 10.15 we'll come back for the second worship service. For those of you online, it will be the 10.15 service that we will air because we want to make sure that we got all the bugs worked out before we, we put it out there on, on the Internet. So, thank you. Please join me as we come together and worship God through song. Please stand if you're able. shines over everything. 
You guys can be seated. So for the in-house audience, you guys at home, you can, I, I don't know what you have, but for the in-house audience, you need the, the side up that's not got the juice in it, all right? Inside of there, you can't tell it, but it is the bread, all right? It is the bread. And as we participate in this, the elements of the Lord's Supper are just beautiful. Uh, this bread represents the body. You know, this is the time of the year when we really think about Him on the cross, right? This is Jesus on the cross. He gave His body for you and I. And, that, and that's powerful. That's love. You know, I, I love you, but I, I'm, not, I'm not really giving my body for you. You know, you want $20, I got it. Okay? But beyond that, this love He gave... And, and, and think about what he gave it for. People like you and I who were sinners. People like you and I who rejected him. As he hung on the cross, it wasn't for everybody that wasn't present. It was for those that were mocking him. It was for those that beat him. It was for those that yelled out, crucify him. Jesus died on the cross. That's powerful stuff. So we're going to read out of um, 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, verses 23 and 24. So let me also say this. This isn't what we call an ordinance for the believer. In other words, what we ask is that for, for those of you watching, for those in-house, is that, that if you're a believer, you're welcome. If you've been baptized, you're welcome to participate. 
But if you're not a believer yet, we'd ask that you would pray because it really, you haven't grasped what this is about. So we'd ask that you would refrain if you're not a believer. But if you're a believer, we wholeheartedly encourage and rejoice with you as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. So let's read here in the 23rd verse. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night he be, he, in which he was betrayed took bread. And when, he had, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now we're going to flip it over and do the juice side. So, this juice represents the blood. Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there, there is no remission of sins. We're going to talk about the Passover, and, and the tie-in is beautiful to what Jesus did on the cross. They already had a forerunner and understood the effects of the blood. And so, as we read this, understand that His blood provides for, you, for your propiti- the propitiation of your sins, the covering of your sins, so that God doesn't see your sins. That's some powerful blood. The most precious commodity in all of the universe is the blood of Jesus Christ. The only thing that has the power to forgive sins. So, and when he had given thanks, let's see, in the, in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's join together in prayer. Fathers, we partook this bread and the cup. Father, we we came in remembrance of what you did for us. And Father, I just lay that upon our hearts and upon our minds as we walk throughout this day and the days to come. Father, that that we would share the love that you had for us with others who simply do not understand you. Father, I, I thank you, Lord, as a sinner, that you sent your Son to die on the cross for my sins, for our sins, that we might have eternal life. We could not do this. Father, only through the body and the blood of Jesus do we ever have a chance to stand in front of you. We have that hope beyond the grave that we will be in your presence to worship you. Father, to sing songs as the songs that we will sing and fully understand what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join me again as we worship God through song and stand if you're able.
Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, with streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, those pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your 
All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew, we're going to be in Matthew 26, Matthew 27. We'll also skip back to Matthew 20. Just if you got the Bible app, it'll flow all along there, and it'll all be here in the, in the if you're online, it'll be in the corner of the screen there, so you can you can do that. So it is it is Holy Week, as we like to call it, and and I feel like Blind Willie Johnson, the street corner preacher. I, you know, I've got so much to deliver, right? But you're walking by. I mean, that's what Sunday morning, you know, I, I'm, I've got, I got four hours with you this morning. And, but there's a lot more than four hours of information to talk about. You're going to be reading that this week. So, and you've been reading that in the book of John to see what's going to go on. We are, we are talking about raised the third day. Jesus delivered this prophecy to his disciples. He delivered this prophecy to his disciples. They didn't understand it. They didn't like it. They mourned over it. We're going to follow the narrative and see if it happened as Jesus said it would happen. So I want to start, first of all, with some scripture about the Passover. We're going to talk about the Passover. So for us to understand what Passover is, Passover is a celebration of their freedom from Egypt. It is the, the it commemorates the last of the ten plagues. So if you get back in Exodus, you can read about this. The last of the ten plagues, everything, you know, every time God does something and Moses goes to the Pharaoh and says, Let my people go, no, not happening. I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna let your people, not gonna let the people go. I need them to make bricks. And so the last plague, God instructs Moses for the Israelites to take a lamb and to take the blood of a lamb and to put it over the doorpost. Normally, I would walk over to the doorpost, but if I did that, I'd, I'd be offline. So just know that if you have a door, it's got two posts and it's got a lintel across the top. And God instructed them to put the blood on the sides and above. So what happened, so here we have the blood of the lamb. Understand how this works? We have the blood of the lamb here, here, and here. And the, the angel of death went throughout the land of Egypt. And when he came to the door of a house, he would look for the blood. If the blood covered it, the death angel would pass on. But if there were no blood on the doorpost, the angel of death would enter into that household and the firstborn would die. Pharaoh lost his firstborn. His, he, the, the, he, he set the Israelites free. Not only did he say they could go, but they loaded up with all of the treasures of Egypt. They went out with treasures that were not their own. God provided for them. So this is why Jesus has come with the disciples to Jerusalem. That's why many people have made the pilgrimage. The city is full of people to celebrate the Passover, to celebrate the Passover. And Matthew's going to record this in, in Matthew 26. We're going to read four verses here, beginning in verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. 
And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So we have what we just participated in. We have the narrative that Matthew records. Now in this, which is a little bit different than what they associated with the the, the normal Passover, it was a celebration of God's deliverance. But if you notice in there that Matthew records that Jesus says, he speaks of the forgiveness of sins. So you see, they had associated blood with that, but this blood, this blood that he was going to shed was for the forgiveness of our sins. We've been reading through Hebrews. You understand, when they offered animals, they had to keep coming back and doing that. Jesus paid the price once for all. He became, one of my favorite biblical words, the propitiation for our sins. His blood, it's just like us in a doorway. His blood covers us. So no longer do we have to fear death. No longer do we have to fear death. That's what happens during this week. We're walking to the cross. We're walking to see if the prophecy is fulfilled. And on this Thursday night, this is Thursday night of the week, he's celebrating the Passover. There's a lot of things that happened. The room, we were in a room that they think the Lord's Supper was celebrated in. Maybe not exactly that room, but that was the, the location. Interesting stuff that happens inside of that. But what, what really took place was Jesus was telling them what was going to happen. He was going to be delivered, right, and die. He told them a little bit about what it meant for him to die on the cross. Because remember, when they think, when they mourned over it, because they clicked in the idea that he would die, they thought that would be the end of it. Jesus at the Passover celebration tells them what's going to happen when he's on the cross and what it means for him to be on the cross. They won't understand it. They don't understand it right now. But later on, they come to fully understand it. So let's talk a little bit about on the way to the cross, the prophecy was fulfilled. On the way to the cross, the prophecy was fulfilled. So as Jesus said, this is going to happen. So we're going to go back into Matthew chapter 20, verses 18 and 19. This is kind of the last time before he gets to Jerusalem that he tells them this is going to happen. So the 18th verse here. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him, and on the third day he will be raised up. Now, as he's went along with this reference to being raised on the third day, he has added details about going up to Jerusalem, about being handed over, about being uh, scourged and mocked and crucified. Those are, those are things that he's adding in as he tells the story, as he prepares them. Remember, this is when they're outside of Jerusalem. This is before the triumphal entry. Sunday school class I walked in, and they were talking about the triumphal entry out of Luke. 
And, and I, we re told the story about walking down the hillside that he would have walked down without all the fanfare, right? Uh, but he walked down that hill, and, and the, the people cried out, Hosanna. They had palm branches. They, they, they looked at him as a, as a king. So imagine the disciples as they're walking through this, as they come into Jerusalem, and they get this huge, warm welcome into Jerusalem. And all the, the fanfare and the people. And throughout the week, the religious leaders have come to him in the temple. He's overthrown the tables in the temple. Nobody arrested him for that. He, he's been in the temple. He's been teaching. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees have come to him, and they've tried to catch him in an error in the law. And, every, and it says they didn't ask him any more questions. The fig trees withered as they walked in. Here they have, you know, the, 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 the room is prepared just as Jesus told the disciples to follow the guy. They have the room. Everything is falling in place like that. Can you imagine that they're thinking, who is going to kill Jesus? You think about that. You walk in on, on the first day of the week, on the, on the Sunday, and you have this welcome. You see Jesus in the temple and the crowd's coming to him. It doesn't look like that prophecy is going to unfold. It looks like, because remember, they had their ideas of who Jesus was and what the Messiah was. They understood him to be the Son of God. They understood him to be the Messiah, but they understood him to be the Messiah in their terms. And that meant he was going to march into Jerusalem. He was going to set up a throne, and they weren't going to pay tax to the Romans any longer. The Romans were going to go home with their tails tucked between their legs, and the kingdom of Israel would once again be. That's what they had in their mind. Not this prophecy being scourged and crucified and being put to death. As we read through the narrative, as we follow the narrative, what happens to Jesus? He gets anointed the king and the Romans leave, right? It's not what happens. We read about the death of Jesus. Let's pick it up here in um, Matthew 27, 35. We're going to talk about the death. We're going to hit the 35th verse. Understand that, that we're going through this at high speed. There's a lot of scripture. You're going to read it, all right? I want you to read it. I want you to immerse yourself. We're covering this. It says in the 35th verse, and when they had crucified him, means they nailed him to the cross, right? Nails through his, pierced his arms, his hands, and his feet. A crown of thorns were pressed down upon his head. Blood came out. They didn't just lay it there lightly. We have a crown of thorns around here. And if you want, you could probably put it on your head. But I'm going to guess you're going to do it really, really gently because you don't want to pierce the skin. They put the crown of thorns on him with the intention of piercing skin. They didn't numb him before they slammed the nails through. They wanted him to be in pain as he hung on the cross. And so it says, when they crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots, a fulfillment of the Scripture. And then in the 50th verse, I'm going to read this. 
And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. If you've been watching the videos, if you haven't, the videos are on our, our Facebook page. And I use the reference from John where he talks about that last loud voice that he cried out is it is finished. And, and this was the death. They checked him. They pierced his side. They poked him to see. You ever walked up to something to see if it's moving still? And you stick it with the stick? Yeah, you, you've done that before. Something, you, you, you wanted to know if it was alive or not. And you poked it. That's what they did to Jesus. He didn't move anymore because he was dead. What do you do with a dead body? Well, it's the burial. This is exactly the burial of, of Jesus is what we're talking about. We're going to read a couple of verses there. So we're going to be reading out of Matthew 27. We're going to end in these passages of Scripture here. Matthew 27, 59. We're going to come back and read some more after these two. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and laid it in his own new tomb, which he'd hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb, and he went away. Now that sets us up for next week, right? We get that. But do you understand as you're reading this narrative that the disciples don't know the rest of the story? The, the religious leaders don't know the rest of the story. The Romans don't know the rest of the story. To them, when they put him in the grave, when they take him down off the cross, and they put him in the grave, and they roll the stone, it is the end of the story. It is the end of the story. When they hear Jesus cry out, it's finished, they go, yes, it is. They were excited because they were done with this Jesus which had caused them problems. It was finished. When they, when they rolled that stone into place, the disciples are saddened. The religious leaders who led the crowds to cry out, crucify him, and put Pilate in such a position that he had nothing, to, he had no other course of action other than to crucify him. He did that. And, and so when that happens, they're standing there, they're watching that stone roll in and click into place. And they walked away with a smile on their face. They went out and had a celebratory meal because Jesus was done. Jesus was done. Let's read here. We're going to continue in the 62nd verse of the 27th chapter. Now on the next day after the, prep, after, the day after the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate, listen to what they say, and said, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive that the deceiver said, After three days I am to rise again. Therefore, give orders to the, for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. And the last deception will be worse, worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go make it as secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure. And along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. You understand what they were doing? They were seeking to prevent the prophecy. 
They were seeking. Guys, are you, are you reading that with me? Are you following that with me? The disciples went home and cowered in their homes. They should have been putting bleachers up out there beside the, the grave, right? I mean, really, they should have been there. Popcorn machines, snow cones, sodas, hot dogs, standing up there waiting on the third day. Anytime now, it's going to happen, right? That's what they should have done, but they went away. All they saw was the end. Yet these religious leaders, they went back to Pilate after thinking about it and says, you know, he, he said something about rising from the dead after rising from the grave after three days. We want to put a we want to put a guard, we want to put a padlock on it, right? That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to put a guard because they, they, they knew that Jesus couldn't walk out of the grave. At least that's what they thought. Because when you bury somebody, what do they do? They stay there. When I, you know, I do funerals all the time, they stay there. That's what happens. So they weren't afraid of Jesus walking out of the tomb on his own, but what they didn't want happening was the disciples coming back and stealing the body. So they secured the grave, seeking to prevent the prophecy from happening. I was reminded as I told the story today about walking down in the eastern gate, the eastern gate to the Temple Mound is all closed up. It, it's under Muslim or Islam control. And, and they have shot it. They put graves outside of it. They put a cemetery outside of it. And I believe there's some old junk cars there too. Because they're doing exactly what the religious leaders are trying to do here. They are seeking to prevent the prophecy from being fulfilled. I'm here to say, if you couldn't prevent it the first time, some graves of dead people and an old car isn't going to keep the gates from opening when Jesus comes back. Understand? That's the power of that. That's the power of that. So if they couldn't prevent it, remember, what's happened up to this point? Everything that Jesus said has happened as he said it would. Up until raised the third day. You, you all know, no spoiler alert, right? You know that he comes out of the grave. So what we're going to do next week, we're going to celebrate that. And so that, understand the prophecy that he said has been fulfilled. He said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to, they're going to take me and they're going to mock me, scourge me, and they're going to kill me. I'm going to raise the third day. Everything he said would happen. This is great stuff. This gets us excited. But I, I want you to think, because this is a story that you hear every year this time. You don't come in expecting to hear about Jonah or about King David or about um, Jezebel. You come in expecting to hear about Jesus. Jesus on the cross. So you know this story. You know the story from next week. But I'm not telling you the story so you can listen to it. Well, that's a really good story. And walk away with a warm, fuzzy feeling and go get dinner. I want this, and God wants this, to impact who we are. Because you know the events that took place? The disciples were not the same afterwards. Neither should we be. So here's some, what we're going to call action steps, because i got nothing better for it than this. That's what I'm driving at. We need to give thanks. 
When we understand what Jesus did on the cross for us, that bread and that cup, that's all good, right? It doesn't take much. You know, you squeeze a few grapes, you get juice. You, you put some flour and water together and you get bread. It represents being nailed on a wooden cross. It represents being scourged and the blood coming out. It represents the crown of thorns pressed upon him. It, it represents Jesus Christ on the cross doing what we could not do in the darkness that he experienced as a father turned his face as Jesus Christ paid the price you could not pay. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. And so when you, when you come today, you walk out of here today, what do I want us to think about what we just read? Is we ought to humbly give thanks for what He did. When you stand before that throne and see a God in all of His glory, it'll be the first time you really understand how much you should have given thanks. Practice now. Give thanks. We need to live with expectancy. Why do I say that? Because not only did Jesus say He would rise from the grave on the third day, He said He was coming back. That's why they got the eastern gate blocked up. Because they know what He said. We ought to live with that expectancy that any time the, the the trump could sound and through the clouds would burst forth Jesus riding on a white horse coming back to get those who believed in Him. The dead in Christ shall rise first. That cemetery thing? I want popcorn and bleachers and all that stuff to see that happen. Right? That's really what I, you know. When I get old and I got nothing better to do, I'm just going to hang on out at the cemetery. Come, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. I want to see that happen. And I want to know, because some of you will be living your life in town, not next to the cemetery, and they'll be popping up out of the ground. You won't know you're going. I'm going to know because I'm going to watch those graves empty out. That's what I want to see. We need to live with that expectancy that he could come back and catch us doing what we're doing. Live with expectancy. And be part of the ongoing story. Do you understand what the cross represents? It represents, when you get saved, it represents your regeneration, new birth, and your justification because your sin has been wiped away. But if you read in the Baptist Faith the message, because I, I, love, I want you to refer to that, right? In that, that, that that's not just it. But I'm going to tell you this is how we do it. We often think that, okay, he walked out of the grave. That's the end of the story. He's just hanging out by the beach in a hammock waiting until the Father sends him back and he's not doing anything in between. When he enters into your life, it is not just the regeneration, the, 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 the new birth and the justification. It is the process of sanctification. In other words, what he's doing is he, he grabs you, he has redeemed you, justified you, regenerated you, and he's throwing you on that potter's wheel 
and he's going to work on you until he's done, and he can bring you into the glorification phase, and that's when you die and he comes back. And he's going to work on you until he's ready to put you on the shelf. And if you're breathing, you're still on the wheel. Be part of the ongoing story of God working in your life and touching other people's lives. You'll understand it a little better next week as we come back and finish up Matthew in Matthew 28. But a beautiful, beautiful story of what He has done for us. Let us give thanks. Let's live with expectancy and let's be part of the ongoing story of a living Jesus living in my life and your life. Let's pray. Father, come today thankful for what you've done. Father, I pray that if somebody doesn't know you, that today might be the day that they ask, plead for the forgiveness of their sins, and accept you as their Lord and Savior, that they might be ready they might be able to live with the expectancy that we need to live with. And Father, that we might allow you, and Father, understand that you're working on our lives to use us to show somebody else who you are. Father, forgive us and draw us to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing Mercy Tree. So I want you to stand, I want you to sing really loud, I want you to sing really loud at home. Um, and I also want you to know that you can, if God is speaking to you to make some kind of decision, you are welcome to come down here and pray. You are welcome to come down here and talk with me. If you are online, you are welcome to send us a message. You, God can speak to you there. He's not here. He's everywhere. He's where you're at. He's where we're at. It's the beauty of the Spirit. I pray today that we would answer call of God upon our lives. On a hill called Calvary stands an endless mercy tree every broken weary soul find your Some blood that stain its fray, shed to wash away our shame from the scars. Pure love release salvation by the mercy tree in the sky between two. The blameless prince of peace, bruised and battered, scarred and scorned, sacred head pierced by our thorns. It is finished, was his cry, perfect lamb was crucified. Savior, Joe.
Thank you for being here. Let's walk out here knowing that we belong to the one who has overcome death on our behalf. We can live in that. Read your scripture this week. It's Hebrews 13. You'll finish out Hebrews. Matthew 22 through 28. That's the end of that. And then John chapter 20. Read about the victory and what he went through to bring that. Thank you for being here.